how do you create a successful business and a fulfilling life? In 2020, after leaving the corporate world once and for all, I founded my digital agency that replaced a six-figure income within just the first few months. Since then, I've coached thousands of entrepreneurs across the globe to do the same. Now I'm on a mission to teach others how an exceptional life is not only possible, but very achievable through entrepreneurship. And let's dive in. Hey guys, welcome into another episode. So in this week's episode, we're going to talk about cells. And this is one of my favorite topics to go through. Um, and, you know, I think it is because I fell into the cell space by accident. It was not something that I ever intentionally went into, but something that I more or less found myself in. And um, at a fairly, fairly young age, right? Uh, I mean, in high school, I had cells positions that uh, really ignited my love for this space and uh, spent a lot of my career in enterprise and B2B sales. So I, uh, you know, I had someone comment <laughs> the other day even um, about knowing what to say in response and having kind of that sales lingo, if you will. Right. And so I thought I'd put together an episode talking about some of what I find to be the most important pieces uh, that are not often times sales tips that you hear, right? These are some of those pieces that you learn purely from repetition a thousand times over and over and over and over again, right? Um, I'll share you know, one example with this because I think that this is an important thing to keep in mind as well. Sales is definitely one of those muscles to strengthen, right? It's not something that you just wake up one day and all of a sudden you're really great at it. It's something that you have to be very intentional about making improvements little by little and over time. Um, one of what I feel was a brutal experience, but one of those experiences that helped improve my sales skill the most was a position that I held uh, probably seven years ago or so with um, a startup company. And because they were a startup, they didn't have a great lead generation process in place, but it was B2B. Right. And so for the sales team, our metric, our KPI on a daily basis was to call at least 200 cold leads every single day. It was so brutal, absolutely brutal. But it taught me a very valuable lesson that through repetition, I can improve, right? Make improvements and um, really focus in on those different areas of what's resonating, what's not. How can I, you know, use my tone to make this fit better? How can I, you know, do all of these different things to really improve the overall sales conversion? So that's what we're going to be talking about today is uh, some of those maybe less common tips that you hear that really make a big impact. Okay. So I've got five that we're going to go through here. The very first one is understanding how to use your tone and the speed of voice. Okay. So when you are speaking with an individual, when you're pitching, when you are going through the discovery portion of your conversation, your tone is going to be really important, okay? A slower, calmer tone like this is going to really help that other person feel that you are listening, that you are being intentional about what you're saying, right? 
Whereas if you're more energetic and you're going a little bit quicker, that can feel more confident sometimes that can feel more excited, right? More energy, but you want to be careful with that too, because if you go too fast or if you catch yourself kind of tripping over words, or sometimes when we get nervous, we'll say, um, uh, uh, ah, right. As we're going really fast through things that can come off as anxious, which can have the reverse effect of what we're trying to accomplish. Right. So keep that in mind and be aware of it, right? It takes time to practice that. It takes time to train yourself to be aware of the tone, to be cognizant of how that is impacting the other person and to be aware of how clear, how, you know, how clear your message is that, it, uh, uh, that you're trying to portray. Um, I mean, by no means am I an expert in this area, but it is definitely something that over the years I try to be very conscious of to not say, um, or have these long pauses or do these, you know, different things that just become human nature, uh, for a lot of us. Right. So that's the first one, being aware of your tone of voice, the speed you're talking and how that's coming across to the other person. Number two is threading and mirroring. Okay. So a big part of cells is being able to engage with that other person and also being able to make them feel comfortable so that they'll open up and talk to you. Right. Cells is really a big part of just learning how to conversate, right? Learning how to have a conversation and uh, get the other person to talk to you about the thing that you're on the meeting about. Right. So one of, well, I guess two of the things here that I really love to use to do this are threading and mirroring. Threading means that you are giving them something to anchor onto in conversation. Okay. So one of the first things that we learn in any type of sales training is that when you're first starting on that conversation or first starting in that call, that you want to do something to break the ice a little bit, get them comfortable and relaxed, right? That rapport building is going to be more effective if you give them something to associate with, if you give them something to thread or anchor onto, right? So I'll give you two examples of this. A, an example where there's no threading, there's nothing to hold onto might sound like this. Hey, John, thanks for jumping on the call with me today. Where are you based out of? Maybe John responds and says, oh, I'm in Alaska. And then my response, bad example, would be, cool, Alaska, great, all right. So, right, and that seems awkward. That feels awkward, <laughs> right? There's nothing for him to connect onto. There's nothing for him to anchor onto. However, an opposite you know, example of this with the threading might be something like this. Me responding might sound like, oh, Alaska, very cool. What part of Alaska are you in? And have you lived there your whole life? Right? Giving him a pathway to go down, like decision to go down, right? He might respond and say, where are you from? Right? Bad example would be, oh, I'm in Salt Lake City. Bad example because it gives nothing to go off of, right? I mean, if he's very... Uh, well conversated, he might, you know, dive into that, but a better way to respond that gives those threading anchors that he can pull onto might be something like, oh, I'm based in Salt Lake City, Utah, and I've lived here my whole life. I love the outdoors. It's a great place to live, right? That gives him a couple of things that he can hook onto. I've lived here my whole life. I love the outdoors, right? So he could say, oh, that's awesome. You know, I traveled down to Zion's once and was able to 
da 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 da, right? It's the idea of just opening it up a bit, right? Opening it up so that there's pathways you can take, things that they can associate to, that you can associate back so that you've got that shared connection, okay? Now, mirroring, mirroring is a very valuable tool that you can use throughout the sales conversation. And all that it means is that you're using similar verbiage and similar language to what they use, right? So in our minds, that's going to be something that is uh, reassuring, that is subconsciously, you know, an affirmation. So I'll give you an example of that. Maybe their lingo is saying something to the effect of, oh, let me think of an example here. Maybe they say, you know, I've been using this CRM for the past five years and I love using it because it shows us where the deals are. We can see exactly what the metrics are that we're tracking on a weekly basis. And the team just does a really great job with it, right? That's like a very straightforward, basic example, right? Nothing special about that. But in mirroring that, I might pick different parts of that phrase to use in my explanation back. So that might be something like, hey, I know that you mentioned that this is a really important piece of your team's process because it's something you guys have been comfortable using for the past five years, right? You're just kind of repeating it back, right? You might also use it in a more subtle way by uh, using different words that they've used. Um, so maybe they share that, you know, right now they're really worried about the lead generation system that they have in place because it is not sustainable and that's keeping them up at night, right? So maybe that's what you use in terms of your phrase, talking about that thing, saying, you know, want to make sure that you're not staying up at night, thinking about this, worrying about this, and that we're able to get a better lead generation process in place for you, right? Now that's a really cheesy, basic example, but you get the idea and it helps, right? It helps a lot to make them feel heard, understood, and that you're being intentional, right? Listening and having this conversation with them. Okay. Number three is validation before you respond. So this is one that I, I hear a lot of either when I'm coaching different business owners or on sales conversations, uh, you know, with, with different people pitching me even. <laughs> uh, but that is when someone asks you a question, don't just jump immediately into the quick answer. Okay. Now I think with this, there's a time and a place, right? But a better way to go about it is to give validation either for the concern that they're having or for whatever it is that they've brought up, right? So an example of that might sound something like this. Maybe the objection that they're sending or that they're giving to you is, this sounds really great, Hillary, but we're pretty set in our process that we have right now. And so I'm worried about getting the team used to a different new system. Okay, maybe that's the objection that we're getting, right? My response to that would be, good example would be, John, I totally get it. Thanks for expressing that. I, I appreciate it. And I completely understand. Implementation for a new process can be really overwhelming. However, with our setup process, we've taken a lot of time considering those different things and have pieces in place, milestones in place to make sure that every member of your team has the information they need, they have the training to be really confident in using this new process. Okay, that was super off the cuff. I don't know where this example is coming from because we don't sell new processes. So <laughs> I don't know why I'm using that as the example, but you get the idea, 
right? You're giving some validation for what it is that they're feeling. And guys, bonus tip on this, this works really great in relationships too, right? Outside of cells, personal relationships, these things all work really well and help the other person feel understood, helps them feel listened to. And it also helps you to be more attentive in the conversation. Okay. All right, let's go to number four. Number four, how to address objections before they are even brought up in the conversation. This is an important one and it does take practice. It does take time and you need to be very conscious about this. Okay. So here's my tip. As you are having sales conversations, as you are doing the repetition, right, of uh, getting in your reps, of having multiple pitches, multiple conversations, keep a note somewhere, whether it's on a notebook, uh, you know, a Google Doc on your computer, even a note on your phone, right? Keep a list somewhere of the common objections that you're hearing. So after every single call, jot down what are the questions they had? What are the common objections that they had? right? And then what I want you to do is answer those, write down the answer next to them, but then think of a question that you could ask on the next call that would help address that thing before it becomes an objection for them later on. Okay. So I'll give you an example of this. A common one that we see in the agency space is that there's the objection of the person that we're speaking with, the lead saying, you know what? I've worked with an agency in the past and we were just burned. It was not a good situation. So I'm a little hesitant moving forward in this. All right? That's a common objection that every agency owner hears. So a way that that could be addressed in the discovery portion of the call before that ever becomes an objection later on is by me asking, you know, at the beginning of the call, hey, John, I'd love to learn more about your business before we dive into our solution. Tell me, have you leveraged any type of marketing strategies in the past? Have you worked with any other type of agencies? And if so, what did you like or not like about those? Okay. That's a question that I commonly ask, or I'll say something to the effect of what type of marketing have you, or are you currently doing and what has gone well or not gone well, just so I can get an idea, right? That discovery portion of the conversation is about discovery. So you have permission to ask and to talk about those things. And guess what? By opening that up, now all of a sudden, my prospect, John, for this example, is opening up and he's saying things like, you know, we've been posting on social media, we've been trying out emails to our database. And last year we tried working with this lead generation company. It was an agency based out of Michigan and they did this and this and this, right? It opens up the conversation for us to talk about that so that later on, it's not an objection that's being brought up because we've already addressed it right? You can only do that if you are proactive in your process. Proactive, meaning that you are being intentional about writing down things that you're hearing on a common basis, coming up with your response, and then a question that you can ask on that next call that will address it before it even becomes a, an objection, okay? All right, the last one that I've got here for our episode today is number five, always end with a next step. So this is one there, in fact, there is a statistic, a national cell statistic that says that uh, it takes anywhere from five to 12 touch points, follow-up points with a potential lead before they have the, enough trust built to move forward in a decision. Now, a separate statistic also shows 
that 80% of sales individuals stop following up after the third touch point, after the third follow-up. So what does that tell you? You've got to be consistent. <laughs> You've got to stay in that process of following up, right? So here is a huge mistake that I see oftentimes is you have that initial conversation. You have that initial discovery call with them, right? And maybe it's something that you can pitch and close right there on the first call. If it is, cool. If it's not, make sure that you have something for follow-up that's scheduled afterwards, right? And it does not need to be aggressive. <laughs> you don't need to be invasive with it, right? It can be something as simple as saying, uh, well, I'll, I'll use the phrase that I oftentimes use in this scenario, right? After the conversation, if I can tell that they're not ready to move forward in a decision, maybe they need some additional time or whatever it might be, right? I might say something like this. John, it's been a great conversation with you today. And I've got some action items here. I'm going to send you over an email that has this, this, and this, right? Whatever he wanted during the call. Now, would it make sense, John? I know you mentioned that you have a couple of weeks before you're able to make the decision on this. Would it make sense if I touch base with you next Monday to see if there are any questions that I can help answer for you? Now he might say, yeah, sure. That would be great. Thank you so much. Okay. Here's the kicker guys. The next thing you say is, okay, cool. I've got my calendar pulled up right here. It looks like I've got time Monday morning at fill in the blank or Monday afternoon at this time, which one works best for you? Let him respond right? Let him say, oh, you know what? Monday morning at 10 o'clock works great for me. Okay. Side note, do not leave the call until you have that next thing in place, right? Otherwise the chances of you losing them are a lot higher. While I am on the call, I pull up my calendar. I put in that calendar invite and I send it to him and I say, cool. I just sent over the calendar invite for Monday at 10 AM. Did you get that on your side? He says, yeah, I did. Cool. All right, John, thank you so much for chatting with me. I'm excited to chat with you on Monday, but if you have any questions in the meantime, let me know. I'm happy to help. Okay. So that's kind of an idea of what it can sound like, but it is such a valuable piece to make sure that you have that next step in place that they're aware of as well. Right. And that will help keep the momentum going in that conversation and in that process. All right, guys. That's all I have for this episode. I hope that was valuable and I will see you in the next episode. Thanks. Hey, thanks for joining me for another episode of the Marketing Mastermind. If you took away any little golden nuggets or took down a mental note of any pieces that you loved from this episode, it would mean so much to me if you wouldn't mind sharing this with a friend sharing it on your social media, or if you feel so inclined, rate and review this podcast. That is the best way to show your love and support and to get the podcast out there to more listeners. So I greatly appreciate it from the bottom of my heart, and I will see you on the next episode.